Hello, Chillinois. I hope you're all doing well during this holiday season. I'm really excited to come at you today with uh, a podcast that I actually uh, planned to have when we first started doing this podcast. It's weird how this whole thing came full circle. When I first started doing this podcast, I, I racked my brain. Who could I bring onto this podcast? And of course, I was a medical cannabis patient at the time. So the first few ideas that I had were, well, let's bring on some operators in the state because those will be operators in the new, you know, budding industry of Illinois cannabis. But then I also thought maybe I should reach out to some of the folks that like <laughs> create the tools that I use to consume all of this medicinal cannabis with. And Dynavap, that was, that was a name that stuck out to me because I've been part of the uh, Dynafam, if you will, for a few years now. Um, I started with uh, the original M model, and uh, like I said, I, it's one of the first guests I thought about having, and I never really got around to it. And it's it's funny how it came full circle. George, your uh, one of your co colleagues, Donna, reached out to me and said, "Hey, Cole, um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Dynav app. I feel you know I'd be willing to send you one if you haven't." And I was just like, um, first of all, I have." been using them for years. I've got multiple of them. Uh, let's get you guys on the podcast. That's ultimately what she was reaching out. Like, Hey, could we maybe come on the podcast? I was like, absolutely. So George, um, I'm, jo I'm joined by George. And if you've ever heard of Dynavap, you probably know George, but if you haven't George, you mind uh, introducing yourself to the audience of the Chillinois podcast? Thanks a bunch, Cole. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to come on your podcast. Uh, so my name is George Brewa. Uh, I'm a founder of Dynavap, and we're uh, our big thing is we make uh, thermal extraction devices that people use to consume their product, their flower, their cannabis, their herbs, because uh, it works for things other than cannabis as well. Uh, and our products don't require any batteries or chargers or cords or a lot of the other things. They're they're energy source independent, which makes them a bit different than most of the other choices in the market currently. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, uh, it's interesting because I, you know, I like how you describe it as a thermal extraction device. And I didn't know why you kind of made that distinction until I really looked into how your product functioned. Do you mind explaining why you're calling it a, a thermal extraction device and what that even, yeah. what that means? <laughs> I would love to do that. In fact, it's, it's a, it's a very good question, especially to start with at the beginning of a a podcast like this. Why is it a thermal extraction device versus a vaporizer? Well, uh, when it comes to consuming things, and, if, and since we're talking about Chillinois and we're talking about cannabis and medical use, that sort of thing, uh, when we think about the way that people tend to consume these products, uh, other than edibles, okay, uh, there's generally three ways. You smoke it, you can vape it with like a pen okay or you can use a device like we make and we're not the only companies that make what i would refer to as a thermal extraction device we just like to refer to ours as that because since they contain no batteries no electronics no coils um and they're not using a fluid or a liquid or a distillate or something like propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin as a carrier fluid right which is what i would consider if you're going to call a device a vape uh, in my opinion, a vape is classified as a device that's using some sort of carrier fluid to create the atomized solution that has the active compounds 
dissolved or suspended in it. Uh, a VAP cap uh, in its true form takes flour, takes biomass, takes some sort of plant matter that contains active compounds and using nothing more than heat uh, liberates those compounds from the biomass. So using heat, thermo, and you draw on it like you would uh, any other type of smoking or vaping product. And when you do that, it displaces the vapor that's being produced by the heat. And you're now extracting those active compounds, essential oils, terpenes, and whatever else might be in that biomass that you're seeking. Yeah. And what immediately sold me on the Dynavap is that while there is a heat up period, it's not like you're like waiting for a chamber to fill up or anything else. Like when it clicks, and that's the one unique thing about Dynavap that we can talk about in a little bit. When it clicks, which for folks that don't know yet, we'll talk about it, but that means it's ready. It's ready. You draw off of it and it's, it's producing clouds. You know what I mean? P producing, uh, you know, vapor basically. So yep. sure is. Oh yeah. So it's a very cool idea. And I guess I got to ask like, well, first I think maybe let's just, let's just describe the basic concept. Let's describe how it works. And to okay. do this, I think there's a visual aspect required. So folks that are listening, um, I apologize. Uh, it's going to be a little bit tough to, you know, provide this visual aspect. So to supplement that we are releasing a video version of this podcast uh, so go to chillinoy.net slash YouTube. That'll bounce you right over to our YouTube channel. And you can see this episode of the Chillinoy podcast visually. Hey, George, <laughs> wave at the camera. Yeah. So you'll be able to see uh, us and uh, these cool toys that we're about to demonstrate how they work. So George, take the floor. Tell us about, uh, just tell us the general concept before we okay. peel the page back and where you started sure. and stuff. So the, the general concept is, uh, a very small device that contains effectively an oven. And so I'm going to grab one of my devices right here. Uh, what you're going to find is that on the business end, the end that gets hot, there's a little cap. We take the cap off and what we'll see is that there is a little tiny oven, um, which I'll try and get a little closer to the camera so you can kind of see. Uh, that's where you'd put your botanical. Uh, helps to have it ground, but the fun thing is it doesn't have to be. Uh, so uh, we've serrated the upper opening of the, the extraction chamber to make it a little bit easier so you can grab a whole bud or nug or whatever you want to call it, hold it in your hand and literally just push and twist and you can carve off a nice little piece, which uh, for the flavor chasers, that tends to be their preferred method uh, because you're not allowing uh, more oxidation to occur uh, because it's been held in a more or less monolithic mass until you crack into it. And then you're putting this cap right back on. And the key is the cap. Uh, when we take our heat source and we heat the side of this cap, inside the end of the cap is a little temperature indicator that will click when you're at extraction temperature. And when that happens, you can simply draw upon it and uh, you're going to get your vapor, your essential oils, the active compounds that are within whatever the material is that you put in your extraction chamber. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think what's important to, to bring back up 
with regard to that just general concept is that there are no batteries required, no. right? No, not at all. In, in fact, jeez, uh, uh, do I have one nearby? Uh, got usually have induction heaters around because uh, you can use a lighter, you can use a candle, you can use a Bic lighter, you can use an alcohol burner, you can use an induction heater. Uh, a stick out of the campfire is also kind of nice. Hell yeah. All you need is something that's hot and the cap will tell you when you're at the right temperature. Yeah. So all you need is something that's hot. You know, you said you didn't have an induction heater handy. I do because you sent well, you me do. Perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. So here's the Perfect. folks. If you're watching the video, I've got the Orion, uh, Dynatech heater, which you can see it just fits in the palm of my hand. I've wanted one of these for years, by the way. Thank you or for a, a year or so ever since he announced them. And so thank you so much. It's crazy folks. You just set your Dynavap in uh, while it's on, of course, and loaded with a botanical and within moments it's, it clicks and it's ready to go. I would say that this is the, this is like, you know, the most foolproof way to use it because it's, it's as simple as setting it down and it clicks. But like you say, it can be as something as simple as a campfire. I've even used uh, my stove top burner one time. I just didn't have nice. my torch around because I used to use a torch. And so I just needed a little bit of a vape and was able to use my stove top burner. Well, it's nice. You know, if your lighter runs out of gas or whatever the, the, the issue might be, it's nice to have those alternatives, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, literally anything that gets hot. Um generally speaking because this is a thing that i i like about the product you know um by the way i always joke that and i even joked with your colleague donna i was like i think that um i'm due some dynavap royalties because i've been selling these babies for years i've been talking my friends into them. i'm just, I'm just joking right. but uh there it one of the things that gets me that that i'm always able to show my friends and and demonstrate to people is that not only do you get more out of your cannabis, you use less of it. Um, off the top, I can't remember. I'm sure you do. What does the chamber size even hold? Okay. So in general, our, our chambers are somewhere in the neighborhood of about 0.1 grams. Okay. In the largest size. Okay. Uh, but if you use the, uh, the adjustable screen, you can reduce the chamber size pretty comfortably by half. So now you're talking about 0 0.05 uh, for a typical load where you're not packed real tight. And then, you know, there's some people out there that I would say really qualify as the true microdosers that will do a very light pack on a half uh, bowl chamber. And now you're somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.025 to 0.03, just absolutely minuscule amounts. Right. And, and the biggest thing is for me is that not only small amounts that are quite effective because there's, I think there's probably, you just probably lose a lot when you burn cannabis. You probably can speak to it. Like it just gets at such a high temperature, especially yes. if you've got it rolled up or whatever, you're probably just literally uh vapor, not vaporizing, but. Well, you are vaporizing it. And it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it that way. Burning or combusting cannabis is effectively vaporizing it yeah okay it's the same method it's just you're using the product containing all of your active compounds as fuel 
the vaporized the material yeah. is just in front of where it's burning okay so it's inherently very inefficient and it produces all kinds of really say not so nice byproducts you know from a flavor perspective and from uh i think a health perspective there's just a lot of things that aren't desirable in the smoke yeah well yeah just to to finish that thought not only is it small small amount used but it's not a small amount lost once you you know once you've uh extracted if you will the compounds that that you're looking to extract that's uh decarboxylated cannabis at that point which i save in a jar and uh so folks if if you're not following me when you vape when you've finished a chamber which i can usually get three to four poles a chamber and like you said it's like 0.25 what'd you say it was well if, if you got on the half size you know it's somewhere between 0.05 to the smallest 0.025 mm-hmm. it's a tiny tiny little bit but uh you know if people use the the chamber in its larger size it's 0.1 generally 0.1. gotcha yeah and so you can it'll vary a little bit depending on your moisture content right Definitely, definitely. I've noticed that as well. But the point is multiple draws, but then not only that, when you're done vaping it, if you keep that already vaped bud, as people call it, the AVB, uh, that can be repurposed as edibles, which, like I say, not only are you getting more out of your cannabis, you're losing, you're using less of it. And you're losing less of it. I, I kind of stumbled with my words there, but that works. You're losing less of it, you know? So And, and you can reuse more of it. Because, uh, you know, people don't tend to want to eat the, the ashes out of their pipe. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the material that's already been heated and generally extracted, it's just kind of toasted. Yeah. So it's totally edible. And depending on how far you run your extraction uh, in terms of how many heat cycles and how hot you actually get it, because even though the device just clicks when it's at temperature and it doesn't have any electronics, there are ways to adjust the temperature. So we can kind of dive into that here a little bit. Um, As you adjust the temperature higher and higher, you get a higher percentage of reactive compounds extracted uh, from the device. Or if you don't like that flavor, you stop earlier, you just save it in your jar. So it tastes a little bit better in your edibles. Uh, And the part that I like the best, uh, I'll start with a question. How did you clean your device? (laughs) It's well, I'll just say it's super easy. I basically just, slide it apart and and drop all of the parts into uh like rubbing alcohol okay that's, that's yeah but you don't drink the rubbing alcohol because it's not very good for you no no okay so here's the fun thing um the vast majority of all of the things that are condensing inside of your device are basically distilled oils from your flowers okay so if you were to take it apart take the cap off right Mm-hmm. Pop off your tip, pop out your condenser, which I think it will be visual here. Right? Pop out the condenser. The stem doesn't tend to get all that dirty, right? Because the condenser catches the vast majority of it. The cap doesn't really get dirty. So what you really have is you've got your tip and your cap that tend to accumulate the most residue. Okay. So what you do is you make yourself a good hot cup of tea or coffee. Good and hot. And you drop these in and then you pour in a good amount of a high fat creamer. I like coconut creamer and you stir it up and you let them sit. 
And what will happen is that homogenized fat in the creamer makes that water now compatible with fat-soluble compounds, which is exactly what's condensed inside of these two pieces. And so it will take and clean out your parts and it will make your beverage into an infused beverage. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I did not know that trick. I'm definitely going to, cause that's basic. I didn't realize it. That's kind of some, that's something I'm losing there that I could uh, take advantage of. So yeah, that's cool. Elliot. Well, Hey, do you want to cover uh, just while we're on visual, you know, stuff? Uh, do you want to cover something you just mentioned, which is adjusting the heat. Cause I think that's Absolutely. something cool that I learned, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, I'll just put my device back together, which, you know, there's, there's no threads on most of these, the exception being the Omni that's just for adjusting. Uh, so we just push them together. The O-rings just pressure fit. I'll put the tip back on and put my cap back on. And of course we've got more videos and maybe we'll throw some links up to some of the other videos so you can see. Oh yeah, folks, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my like favorite how to and demonstration Dynavap videos in the podcast description. So if you just like, can't tune into the video podcast for, for whatever reason, if you're like traveling right now, just, you know, go back to the podcast description later and we'll have really great videos that you can watch to understand the product and much more. Go ahead, George. Okay. So on the cap, what you'll notice is there's a crimp groove, okay? And that's what holds our temperature indicators in place. The further we heat away from that, what we're doing is we're pushing more heat energy into our extraction chamber, and it takes a little bit longer for it to conduct up to our temperature indicators. So heating further away from them gets you to a higher temperature before they click. Heating closer to them has them click at a lower temperature. Regardless, as long as we're heating on the side of the device, not lighting the end, uh, we can get good extraction. Cooler, more tasty, terpy uh, one uh, hits here and uh, much more powerful ones here. So, you know, so another way that we kind of talk about it is, you know, the tip for taste, the base to go to space. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, so simple as that temperature adjustment, very analog, just depending on where we hold the lighter, where's our flame. Are we going to be down low or going to be up high or somewhere in the middle or zigzagging back and forth? Uh, it all depends on what your technique is, what you're used to. And like so many of our favorite things, we're not able to master the things that we like the most the day we get them. You know, think about riding a bike. Uh, rollerblades, uh, just about anything that takes a little bit of skill. But as we get better, as we do it more, as we practice, uh, musical instruments are a perfect example. You know, I, I've yet to meet a person that picks up a guitar or sits in front of a piano the first time and plays it like they've been doing it for 20 years. It just doesn't happen. These devices are similar in that regard as, as you've had it for a few days, then a few weeks, then a few months, the motions and the operation becomes more and more intuitive and it just becomes simple. And it's like, you can almost automatically adjust without even thinking about it to get exactly the experience that you're seeking. Absolutely. Yeah. I found myself doing that as well. I've, I definitely found myself doing that as well. And to folks, if there are anybody, cause I'll be honest, George, I've had a few, there are some folks that, that just struggle at first. Um, my recommendation is just, uh, 
take it a little bit slower. And it's always important to remember the, the catchphrase, if you will, respect the click when it clicks and it's, it's not only audible, you can almost feel it too. It scared me the first few times I did it. Um, but you know, remove the heat source. And like George said, if you heat it more towards the tip, it will actually click faster, meaning that it will be a lower temperature draw, and it, which often means, like you said, more flavorful. Some people describe it terpy. Um, so yeah, respect the click, folks. And, and, and if you really want to cut out the, the learning curve like altogether, I, I totally recommend the induction heaters or just using something similar to it, like uh, you know, if you've got uh, a stove with the, with the coils on it, just something that you can set on it. That's not like a direct flame. Some people just have, you know, a little bit of difficulties with that. So yep. wanted to throw that out there as a longtime user of the Dynavap. Like I said, folks, I've been using it for years. So when they reached out, it wasn't even a matter of ha them having to sell me on it. It's like, I've been selling people on this thing for years, folks. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, now that we've covered the basics, unless you, did you have anything else that you wanted to? Well, I, I don't know if there's anything else that's really important in that regard, other than uh, we make a broad range of devices and depending on how you use it and how you configure it, you know, with various different uh, styles and materials for the tips, uh, you can really fine tune the experience. And that's another thing I think a lot of people really appreciate about the device is yeah. uh, not everyone likes cars. Some people like trucks, some people like bikes, some like people like motorcycles. Uh, we're kind of uh, across the board. We manufacture vehicles and uh, how you want to drive it and what you want to put in it. That's up to you. Yeah. And I got to say, that's a great point to bring up, uh, you know, before we get to the backstory of Dynavap, that'll be my, my next transition, but yeah, you guys have plenty of models that you can kind of customize to your liking. And my, the biggest thing, man, that I tell people is that you guys have probably the best cheapest entry level model, which is the M it's only like 50 to 60 bucks. I've ever never seen it any more expensive than that. And, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's what I started with folks. So if you're looking just for like entry level, that's, that's a great place to start, but then you can start to make modifications. Like, you know, the Omnivap has adjust, was it adjustable air airflow and everything like yes. that? Yep. It's got adjustable air and vapor ratio, which is super fun. Uh, and yeah, the, you can really go down that uh, rabbit hole again, depending <laughs> on what it is it's important to you. Uh, if you want small, simple, lightweight, compact, big, uh, more kind of intricate, uh, exotic materials, you know, there's some really amazing aftermarket uh, stem makers out there that make some just absolutely gorgeous accessories. So yeah. you can really make it something else. Yeah. One of the things you guys have, uh, I think it's called the BB. It's like a, it's a stem Am I correct in the name? Yes. Uh, it's like a stem for the Dynavap that actually fits into water pieces, which was just like next level for me, man. Cause I was like, this is a great, a great handheld piece and everything, but it'd be, it'd be awesome if I could have it fit in the water piece, which by the way, you guys also, uh, I don't, do you still carry the fat mouthpiece? Yes. It's uh, it's still there. You know, it's been there for quite some time. 
Yeah, that's a great modification, folks. If you're looking for like a cheap upgrade to your Dynavap M or any Dynavap model, it's it's a little like rubber piece. It costs like two to three bucks, I think five bucks at the most. And it allows it so that your Dynavap will work with the water pipe, which is awesome. But uh, now that you mention that, Cole, uh, I'm just going to grab one little example uh, piece of glass that I've got here. Uh, my Vong. Nice. The water piece as well. So the mouthpiece on our Vong has both a 10 millimeter and a 14 millimeter taper built right into it. Okay. And what's even more fun than that is our, uh, our M's. I've just got an M stem here. Um, also have a 10 millimeter taper on them. Okay. So that started in uh, 2020. So the 2020 M, the 2021 M has a 10 millimeter taper on it. So it will natively fit right into uh, a piece of glass. Very cool. Very cool. I noticed that it had the taper on there and I wasn't sure if that's what that was for. So very cool. Yeah. I love the, the improvements that you have uh, made to the models, you know, from the, from the one that I had, which I believe was maybe the 2019 M it was one of your early models. I mean, just, the the improvements you guys have made including the etchings on the end like you said to help kind of grind off um you know nugs to just simple things like the texture of the grip and uh the the airflow is kind of cool on the new m i like how it's an m but also you can kind of adjust it anyways though i'm kind of fanboying out <laughs> um <laughs> I wanted to to ask you um, uh, about the backstory of Dynavap, but again, I just wanted to make sure that in, in case anything else popped up that you wanted to mention that, hey, where can we find you online? Ah, Dynavap.com. Cool. Dynavap.com. And you're on social media as well. Yes. Folks, we'll throw the website and social media handles in the podcast description as well. So if you want to just copy and paste it in your browser or app, you can do that. And if you're looking for some eye candy... Just throw Dynavap into any search engine and click on images. Scroll a bit. And after a few minutes, you might get a little bit of a grasp in terms of how big and diverse the Dynaverse really is in terms of options and configurations and materials and just a, a rather wide array of choices in terms of how you can configure your favorite thermal extraction device. Yeah. And like you said, there's like a huge group of modders out there. Like I've, I've found a lot of really awesome modifications that, that people produce just people that are fans of, of the Dynavap, you know? So, um, well, cool, man. Well, Hey, where I, I think this is going to surprise some people. Where is Dynavap based out of? So, uh, we're based in a, a small town, just North of Madison, Wisconsin, by the name of DeForest. Awesome. That's so, cool. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the best state to uh, start a business like this. But then again, I don't think it's a terrible state. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in Wisconsin. Uh, eventually, Wisconsin will join the rest of the, the U.S. Uh, in the kind of updating their approach to cannabis. You know, it, it's kind of funny because uh, when I was doing research on this a while back, back before uh, the prohibition laws went into place, uh, Wisconsin was one of the number one producers of industrial hemp. So we have the climate in this state. Uh, we're now growing a pretty significant amount of hemp. 
uh, you know, for the CBD industry. But, uh, you know, some of the other laws haven't quite caught up yet. But regardless, we only manufacture hardware. And uh, just like our hardware is energy source independent, our hardware is also uh, what you put in it is your business. Yeah. Can I ask you, I mean, just because you've mentioned it twice now, what else have you heard of the people have, have you heard of people using the Dynavap for? Oh man, that, that's such a fun question. So uh, it's actually pretty broad. Uh, lavender, chamomile, ginger. Uh, one of my favorites, believe it or not, is hops. Okay. Which is actually a pretty close relative to cannabis. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a nice way to relax and unwind. Uh, we were actually approached by uh, a brewery uh, that wanted to have a hop tasting, right? And they thought it might be nice to pair hops with beers and vap caps. So you could actually thermally extract the, uh, the active compounds out of the hops and get that flavor profile. And it works surprisingly good. On top of that, you can put in coffee and tea like do you get a psychoactive uh oh if you're going to try it i would advise caution because <laughs> not only are these devices rather effective at extracting active compounds from cannabis they're pretty effective at extracting active compounds from just about any sort of plant material so a little bit of coffee or tea in this tiny little extraction chamber uh you can extract those active compounds very quickly and unlike drinking coffee, where it's going through your digestive system, uh, where it takes a little bit to really take effect, it's not so when you inhale it. Uh, and this is why people like the, the inhalation route, because things tend to take effect much faster. You know, you think right. about uh, a cannabis edible, you know, depending on what's in your stomach, it might take an hour and a half, sometimes as much as two hours to really kick in. And that's where I think a lot of people get into trouble is I'm not feeling anything. I better take another one. Well, that was a dumb idea because then an hour later when the first one's kicking in, it's like, oh, this is pretty nice. Yeah, just give it another hour till the other one kicks in and then you'll really see where you're at. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to caffeine, uh, when you inhale it uh, through this route, it will take effect, uh, a noticeable effect within 45 seconds. That's crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting how fast it is. And if you're someone that really likes coffee, uh, you know, how you walk into the coffee shop and it's like, oh, it just smells so good. I want my coffee to taste like that. They're getting closer now with all the sugar and the flavor concentrates and everything they put in these, uh, you know, coffee drinks, as we'll call them, you know, uh, they tend to end in chinos. Um, lots of stuff in there. It kind of tastes like what coffee smells like. But when you put, some good quality coffee in a vap cap or probably any thermal extraction device for that matter and heat it up. It tastes like it smells because that's all you're really doing is you're just simply increasing the rate that the aromas that you're smelling are being produced. That's super interesting, man. I'm trying this out tomorrow morning. <laughs> that's yeah. super cool. I, I straight up did not know that I I've heard of the chamomile and, and lavender and, and things like that, you know, cause I mean, people look for those terpenes 
and cannabis, right? So some people directly seek them out from their source. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so that's, that's super cool. I wanted to make sure to ask you that. So anyways, Wisconsin, how does it feel to be, this is just, you know, don't, don't, uh, rest too hard on this question. This is just meant to be funny. Uh, how does it feel to be sandwiched between two legal States? <laughs> Comical. Yeah. And I tell you, it, it makes me smile just about, uh, every time I see the Illinois governor tweeting at the Wisconsin governor. Oh, by the way, we had $105 million in taxable cannabis sales from out-of-state residents. Thank you, Wisconsin. Yep, he's done that multiple times, too. Yeah, Almost every month. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it's thank you. Because, you know, I, I, I really take it that way. Because, you know, why, are, why is Wisconsin not uh, capitalizing on the money that people in Wisconsin are already spending. It's just kind of silly. Yeah, it is really silly, especially when like, I don't know if anybody's ever been up like between like kind of the border between Northern Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, I have within the last year and it's just amazing. Cause like, as you're, it's not shortly before you, I, I feel like you're still in Wisconsin and you can see, see billboards for cannabis. <laughs> Yeah, and so Wisconsin doesn't have laws against that. Uh, you'll see that on both ends. So when you're driving up towards Green Bay, there will be billboards for legal cannabis in Michigan, you know, the UP. Uh, and I just have to chuckle when I'm driving south, like heading towards Rockford or Chicago, leaving Wisconsin. Uh, I think they, they might even have their parking lot in Wisconsin for the first dispensary in Illinois. I mean, wow. it, the, the building is so close to the Wisconsin border that you actually see the first dispensary in Illinois before you see the welcome to Illinois sign. Right. Yeah. That's, it's hilarious. And it really, it, it highlights a point that I've always just thought was, I don't even know how to describe it. You just cross a line and all of a sudden it's okay. It's just such a weird, our society is so weird. It, it is so weird. And, you know, we can laugh and we can chuckle about it because it's not affecting us in a severely negative way. But, uh, you know, I would really like to see more people that also think it's weird, you know, speak up a little bit more about it. Because there are, unfortunately, way too many people that are, are suffering much more significant consequences because hmm, they might have gone to a place where it's legal and found themselves in a place where it wasn't for whatever reason. I'm not trying to justify anything, but other, other than the fact that our laws are just not logical. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you think about what this pro just to wrap it back to the Dynavap, the Dynavap simply allows you to extract compounds out of a botanical. And when you consider the fact that people are being, locked up for simply possessing a botanical in which they use to uh, extract compounds in which they're trying, you know, it's usually a medic medical uh, context. They're trying to better their lives, you know? Well, and, and that's a, that, that's a fun one. If, if we could dwell on that for a second, you know, what's the definition of medical? Because, you know, we're, we're just trying to improve who we are, how we're feeling how we're able to make the most out of 
our conscious moments that we're here on this planet, you know, to me, that just seems like civil liberty. Yeah. And, you know, what we choose to use in order to do that, as long as it's not negatively impacting anyone else or the environment, why does it matter? Absolutely, man. I don't know why our society, we've talked about that on the show before, why our society seeks a justification, right? It started with prohibition as well. I think that's a, a lot, a lot like it's, it is what this is kind of being modeled after in a lot of ways. Um, when you look at the the days when prohibition was starting to kind of go away, you started to see people getting doctor's notes to allow them to consume a, a certain amount of alcohol because they found it medically beneficial. It's weird. Our society looks, we, we feel the need to justify things, even though right. there's really no justification needed. <laughs> you know, it, that's the society I would like to live in is like, you know, if you want to do that, okay. As long as it's not negatively affecting anyone else, or the environment. That's that's the two qualifications that I have. Is yep. Because because we all need an environment in order to live in. Yeah. So if you want to, I don't really care what it is that you want to do, as long as it's not affecting anyone else negatively. Right. Yeah, man. Well said. Well, um, take me back, man. When did Dynavap start? Well, the the original concept. Uh, now it's it's starting to seem like it's a long time ago. Uh, was about eight years ago, right? Um, maybe even a little bit more than that now. Back in 2012, uh, trying to find a better option, trying to find a better solution uh, for you know consumption, right? Because I'm a person that I've never been able to tolerate smoke well. Uh, in fact, uh, I can remember I used to like to shoot pool. Uh, I joined a pool league and I only made it through one year because the, uh, the bars that we had to go around to shoot pool and they, they were still smoking in the bars and it was just so toxic. Uh, I would just, I wouldn't feel good and I would smell terrible. I have to take a shower when I got home because it just it smelled just really disgusting. And, you know, I felt the same way for, for other purposes as well. Just couldn't handle the smoke. And as I'm learning a little bit more about vaporizers, looking into them, uh, my neighbor got one. I tried that. I was like, oh, it's kind of nice. But why does it have to be so big and so expensive? So the question really became, how big and how expensive does a device like this really need to be? And so I started experimenting a little bit. Uh, initially, with just some glass tube. And hmm, if I just take some glass tube, put uh, a botanical in it, heat it up carefully so I'm not lighting it on fire, I can get it hot enough that I can pull off those active compounds. Right. So that was basically where the beginning came from. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was your initial concept. And uh, when did you, like, I don't know, can you walk us through like the transition towards what became the VAP cap? Sure. So after the initial question and messing around a little bit with some glass tubes and initially just literally heating the side of the glass tube, finding that it worked, but it was kind of not so great uh, that you had to hold your, your flame position just right. And it, the, the tubes I was working with, they looked like a little glass one hitter 
and most people are just then going to light it on purpose because that's how they they're accustomed to using it. Um, the first major improvement was the cap. It's like, hey, if I put this little metal cap over the end, it's going to make it a lot harder for someone to accidentally light their botanical on fire. Cool. And that made a big difference. Uh, it also made it uh, easier to heat and it created the, the first part of the heat exchanger that is uh, what we now refer to as the extraction chamber, right? Uh, because the air flows underneath the cap between the cap and that extraction chamber and it helps preheat the air so that when it comes in contact with your botanical it just helps to continue heating it up and simply displacing that vapor that's being produced so worked with that for a little while and i kept thinking okay how do i make it so it's easy to tell what the temperature is how do i do it how do i do it and i looked into the, the thermochromic paints that change color you know when they get hot it's like that might work but they're actually a lot of them are made out of materials that aren't so nice uh, you know, things like lead and cadmium, not all of them, but a lot of the ones, especially at that time were. And I was like, well, do I put a temperature sensor on there and some batteries and a circuit? That's going to break and got to engineer that. And it's got batteries, you got to charge it. That's what everyone else is doing. No, there's got to be a better way. And, uh, you know, finally, I was just kind of driving around one day and it, and it clicked. It's like, I know how to do it. So in a, in a previous occupation, I was, I was working on appliances, right? And these appliances had what they referred to as limit switches in them to keep them from getting too hot. And what makes the limit switch work is this tiny little piece of bimetal material that's calibrated to pop at a certain temperature. And it actuates a switch that either opens or closes that circuit to make sure that your furnace your refrigerator, your stove doesn't get too hot. It's like, huh, I wonder if they make, if I could get one small enough to fit inside this little metal cap I'm putting over the, the end of my little glass tube here. And so the search began. It took a little while, uh, probably over the course of maybe seven to nine months before I could even find a supplier that could even make what I was looking for. Uh, the right dia diameter or the right temperature range because most of them are calibrated for too low a temperature so they just they wouldn't work and uh the few that i could find that might be a high enough temperature well they were too big and uh although some people out there might like to have a uh, you know a vap cap that's got a much larger diameter my goal at that point was to keep it small and keep it compact actually uh, I was really trying to keep the overall design uh, more of an analog to a cigarette in terms of its overall length and its diameter. So it'd be comfortable and familiar in the hand. Yeah, I find that it is, by the way. So Okay. So uh, do you smoke? Do you smoke cigarettes or have you? Or <laughs> No, actually, a good question. Uh, I, I do not smoke cigarettes, but smoke joints, you know, so okay. I mean it you know i don't know it just feels natural in that way yeah so i was just trying to if you were trying to go for that man you achieved it in my book so and it was definitely what we were aiming for because uh the, again the, the initial question was is how big does a vaporizer or a thermal extraction device really need to be i mean really need to be you know if we if we cut through 
all of the fluff, all the fancy lights and LEDs and, you know, LCD display screens and Bluetooth connectivity and wireless charging and, oh, you can play a game on this one. Uh, you can do that <laughs> on this other one, whatever it might be. If all we really care about is just a simple, robust, reliable device that when I put my product in here and I get it hot, I'm able to get what I'm looking for reliably and consistently. And ideally, in a device that could very well last me the rest of my life and be something that maybe I give to, uh, you know, my kids, my grandkids, uh, when they become of age. You know, just, again, it's, it's a tool uh, or maybe not even a tool, but a, an instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, when you consider, I, I really, so like I said, I had heard about some of the other botanicals people load, but the coffee thing just blew my mind, man. I'm telling you, I'm so excited to try. And I think tea would be interesting as well. So yeah, it'd be a whole lot of fun and you yeah. get to play around with, uh, with all these botanicals, You're just, uh, seeing what it's all about. You know, I've got some, uh, citrus next to me. It wouldn't shock me if you could take some dried orange peel and put it in there and, uh, you know, that's going to taste pretty good. Yeah, man, definitely. Definitely. So, um, you know, the VAP cap, it came around, you, you ended up getting your source, um, on, on the, the, not only the right temperature, but the right size. Yes. So it's like, was early, like how were early tests where you like, holy fuck, (laughs) like this thing works or like, well, you know, so the early tests were pretty simple for me because even before I had the, uh, you know, the temperature indicator, I'd like to think that I've got a reasonably good understanding of how things work and, you know, in terms of physics and heat transfer and some of those other things. Um, so I didn't have any difficulty using it without myself, but that doesn't work if the goal is to see if you can't contribute to helping the world leave smoking in the past, right? Uh, And it's not because people are going to quit consuming materials, you know, through inhalation. That's just not going to happen, okay? Uh, But I think if we can leave smoking in the past, uh, we're going to have fewer smoking-related health problems, which is a nice thing. Uh, So the device had to be simple enough that you could show a person that had never seen it how to use it. And they would understand right away and they'd be able to replicate it. Maybe you have to give it a few tries to really get it dialed in, you know, like riding a bike, but that it's not going to be terribly difficult. So the real aha was, okay, if I can make this cap click, then they don't have to be looking for an indicator. I don't need any electronics. And it will function like training wheels until they really get the hang of it or get the feel for it. Because I'm sure if you've clicked your cap more than a few times, Cole, you can be in a loud environment or even have headphones on or whatever. And you might not even hear the click, but you know about when it's going to happen. And chances are you've even trained your fingers and how to feel for it. Yeah. It's just there, which, which is super nice when I don't have to look for it. I can listen for it and I can feel for it. So I can use some of my other senses, which I think really kind of actually adds to the overall experience. And so that was a huge moment when I was able to 
you know, hand fabricate one of these caps out of some relatively simple materials, literally making the cap out of sheet metal and bending it, forming it and brazing it together and trying to get it all assembled just to prove the concept and handing it to someone else and seeing them be able to successfully use it. So it was actually kind of like what you were saying. Wow. Except it was wow watching someone else use a product. It's like, okay, if other people can do this successfully, we might have something. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So from there, like how, how did you, how did you take off? Did you have to like kind of pitch the idea to investors or did you pitch it to like a smoke shop? Like and have like what, how did Dynavap? So from there, the, the next step was refinement, you know, okay. We've proven that it works. How do we make it a little bit better? How do we make it a little bit more user-friendly and, you know, get, get the function under control, right? Cause, uh, you don't want it just be able to work. You want it to work consistently reliable and just have a nice use factor. Uh, you know, perfect example I can give you is when we look at this cap, right? The first caps looked like this. Okay. And I can remember thinking about, I really want to have something to get the used material out, right? How can I do that? How can I do that? And, you know, I wasn't even sure if I wanted a cap that was coming off because I figured people were going to lose it, right? I even thought about, you know, attaching a chain to it so it would attach to the device and you could take it off and you wouldn't lose it. Like, how, how do I integrate, you know, a poker or something like that into the device? And after thinking about it, no joke, for a couple of weeks, it finally came to me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. What if I just take some of the cap and cut it away and leave a little scoop and you can dig out whatever you don't want in your chamber when it's all done. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll call it the digger outer. Hell yeah. And, uh, simple little refinement, but a simple little refinement that I think completely changes uh, the way that the device is used. And I think the, the enjoyment factor out of using it, because you don't have to go find a tool. You don't have to take a pen apart. Right. You don't have, if you know what I'm talking about, find a paper. Clip oh, yeah. Most people that have been down this road for more than a few days will, will kind of know what I'm talking about. It might resonate with you. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Taking a pen apart, found a paper clip, found something to poke for whatever reason. Well, you don't need it. It's right here. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, that's literally, uh, I use that thing all the time. Very handy. After I'm done, it, give it a little twirl and dump it into my AVB container. Yeah, all done. So we, we focused on refinements and then uh, also started the patent process, which I had no idea what that was going to entail. I've never gone through that before and uh, didn't know what to expect. That was interesting. A whole lot of learning going on there. Uh, you know, from filing the first provisional patent to then formalizing it and then uh, drafting it. And I remember, you know, working with uh, the first law firm and they sent this provisional draft. I'm looking at it, I was like, okay, but I didn't know what to look for. I didn't understand it. And, you know, the way it works with your patents is your provisional patent gives you a year to kind of get your product refined and ready to enter the, the formal, what they refer to as the prosecution process, where 
the examiners start to actually look at your patent and determine whether or not it's it's worthy of a patent. And as we're getting closer to the end, I'm I'm looking at this thing. It's like, well, that doesn't cover this. It doesn't cover that. It doesn't cover that. And it's like, well, I'll just start adding it in. And so I learned a little bit about the process. I learned a little bit about the formatting. And I got to uh, start drafting the patent. You know, worked with another person to draw some of the pictures and spent quite a few hours describing how the things worked. And it also was super interesting in the regard is uh, you have to try and anticipate how your device is going to evolve in the future. So you can describe that in your patent so that uh, as you evolve it and as you refine it, that it's already in there because if it's not in there, well, then you don't have the patent protection. So I had to really put on my thinking hat and think about the future. What are the other things that I could possibly anticipate might be coming? How is this going to be used? What are the other configurations? What are the materials? What are the shapes? What are the heat sources going to be? Uh, one of the fun ones is, uh, is the induction heater itself. Um, I don't have a lot in that original patent, but there's, there's a little bit in the original patent regarding using an induction heat source to heat the device. And you know, keep in mind that was written in 2013. And you know, we didn't see the first induction heaters start to hit the market until 2017. So right. kind of fun in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. That is cool. So, um, from, from that, I mean, I, what's crazy is that there was a lot of gorilla, uh, I don't actually gorilla is not the best word. It's like, it's like a organic marketing. I, cause not only was I convinced of, of, being a Dynavapper, but I noticed a lot of other people on like Reddit and everything else convincing each other. Um, at one point, at what point did things start to pick up speed? Are we about, are we at about that point when things like kind of took off? No, or when did, when did no, things take off? That happened uh, about two years later. Okay. Um, when I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to do this, ready to take this project public. And that happened in July of 2015. Uh, I put together a, a, a kind of a, a crappy crowdfund campaign on Indiegogo, and uh, I was hoping it was going to start to get some traction, right? And it, it was a really interesting moment for me where, okay, I, I went through the effort, probably put a, a couple of weeks of focus into getting this crowdfund campaign ready to go, and finally launched it. And a whole week goes by and I think I had like four or five contributors. It's like, come on, someone's got to like this. How do I get some promotion? How do I get some exposure? And thankfully, somebody uh, saw it, noticed it and made a post on a vaporizer forum that uh, has been around for a long time. Uh, it's called FC or fuck combustion, depending on how you want to describe it. Uh, and started talking about it and i was like well that's really cool i didn't know how to do that so someone did it for me and so then i started to 
paying attention to that thread and that got a little bit more traction. And all of a sudden I was getting a few more contributors to this crowdfund. I was like, Oh, this is nice. And about the end of the second week, I uh, had, uh, you know, a few hundred people contributed to this campaign. And then Indiegogo shut it down. It's like, uh, you can't offer, uh, you can't offer vaporizers as, as a perk for contributing to your campaign. You can do a campaign for a vaporizer, but you can't offer those as perks, which several other companies had done in the past, but apparently they changed their, their, uh, their rules. It's like, okay, what am I going to do? So I reformatted the campaign. I took vaporizer out of everything and I changed it from vaporizer to special case. Um, designed uh, to perfectly fit your uh, VAP cap vaporizer. Okay. <laughs> I figured, you know what? I'll just see if people will donate for these special cases and there just might happen to be a vaporizer that comes in the case. But I didn't say that anywhere in the descriptions. And I relaunched the campaign. And this time I was like, you know, someone will probably look at it and probably see through it. And they'll probably shut it down again. But I made sure that several times a day I was going into my account and I was capturing all of the emails from all the people that were contributing. It's like, if they shut it down this time, I'm going to send an email to all these people. And I was working on building my website and getting all ready to go. And I, I thought I might, I thought I was actually going to get away with it for, for a few minutes because I got a whole nother week out of it. And it was getting really exciting where I was getting a couple contri contributions per hour. And got upwards of, you know, I don't know if it was like three or 400 people had contributed to this campaign. And keep in mind, we're still not making that much progress from a money perspective because the, the contribution was 20 bucks for one of these first glass vap caps. So, you know, you get 10 people, it's $200, right? Yeah. Uh, doesn't, doesn't make a huge difference. So... Uh, anyway, collecting the email addresses, people are contributing, getting the website up and going, and they shut down my account. Close it all down, refunded all their money. Second time, I was like, ah, oh, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. So I called up to the guy I was working with for my website, and I was like, okay, we got to get a shopping cart going on this website because my crowdfund campaign is shut down again. I was hoping to run the crowdfund campaign for 60 days and have the website up and live before the end of the crowdfund campaign so I could just transition right into it. Right. Well, I had to accelerate that. And so I sent an email to everyone. It's like, hey, I'm hoping to have my website up live here in a few days. If you like, you can, uh, you can pre-order on my website and I'll get them out to you as quick as I can. And... To my shock and surprise, I would say upwards of 60, maybe 70% of the people that contributed to that campaign came to my website and pre-ordered these things from me. I, I could not believe how many people supported uh, this, this little project, which gave me a little bit of that starting capital to kind of get the whole thing going. Yeah. So I started making them up and uh, getting ready to go and shipped them out as quick as I could until PayPal shut down my payment processing on my website. Now, why did they shut you down? PayPal doesn't like anything regarding vaping, vaporizers, anything along those lines. And it's been that way for a long time. Gotcha. I didn't know that. 
No, I didn't know that. They're 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 very anti uh, when it comes to things in that industry. Yeah. Hey, are you good on time? I just noticed we're past oh, yeah. an hour. Okay, cool. I yeah, am too. We'll just we'll just keep going with the flow. Cool. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, ask you. You know what we're leading up to is how we got to today, folks. I just think it's very interesting, especially as a huge fan of it, just to hear how this product has evolved. So from the initial concept. You got these people that kind of came over like what they, they kind of followed you over to the website, which is awesome. Like your core supporters, where, where did that, where did that go from there? You know? Okay. So the, the awesome part is they saved me 10% that Indianogo would have taken away for the uh, crowdfund platform. So even though I didn't get as many people that contributed, um, I was able to they, utilize the, the cut wasn't part. taken. Right? Yeah. I didn't have to pay the cut. Nice. Uh, so effectively, um, I was able to use the crowdfund as kind of a, an initial marketing platform. Yeah. Leap pad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should do that again. You know, we should just yeah. like put something up there. That's just completely non-related. You know, like <laughs> just app t-shirts. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they'd shut it down this time anyway. So started filling the orders and I really started to um, uh, pay attention to this vaporizer forum. I think it was a huge thing for uh, the early days. So I'd be on there multiple times a day, reading through everything anyone had to say, responding to their questions, and really trying to do my best to uh, give them the support that they need. Uh, and uh, what I also offered, uh, as silly as it might sound, is for the, the, the for people that pre-ordered these little glass tubes, what they were, uh, I offered them a, a lifetime warranty, even though it's glass. If you break it, just let me know cover the cost of shipping, I'll replace it. And I ended up replacing not a small amount of broken glass, but I thought, I thought it was worth it because I wanted to make sure that these people had a good experience. Yeah. Because, you know, what is a company without customers? Out of business, right? And when you're a company just trying to get started, it's so important to uh, make sure you take care of those first customers that are willing to take the risk and try out your product before anyone else has. And you want to make sure that they have a good experience. So it became my mission to make sure that they had a good experience some way, somehow. Um, and things started to really move along after I was finally able to get a merchant account open because PayPal was no longer an option. Cause that, that stopped me from being able to take orders for about seven or eight weeks. I just wasn't anticipating that being a problem. Uh, and during that time, I was having some chats with people on this vaporizer form regarding accessories. And somebody mentioned to me, oh, you should get in touch with uh, Ed's TNT. Okay. So I got on the phone with him, chat a little bit. It's like, oh, so you make some really nice wood stuff. Right. Okay. How am I going to take this glass tube and made it to some nice wood? There's not really a good way. So I thought about that for a few days and then it came to me as like, well, wait a minute, why don't I take and make a titanium tip that I can attach to this wood stem that Ed can make? And use some high temperature O-rings so we don't transfer too much heat and make it work. And so 
I went through the process with him and he prototyped me some stuff and it worked. It needed a little bit of refinement, but it worked. And then after seeing that, I was like, oh, you know, if we can make these fit onto the wood parts that he makes, and since there's O-rings, it allows for a little bit of adjustment to the expansion and contraction that the wood has, you know, just through humidity fluctuations, you know, which makes wood such a pain. That means other people could make accessories and these tips could be modular and we could create a whole system around here. And so it was a really major aha moment that was happening, uh, you know, in those early days, you know, in the summer, fall of 2015, in terms of what the product would eventually become. And that's, you know, a modular system for, you know, thermal extracting your favorite compounds, right? And uh, so I was able to do, uh, collect a few pre-orders on those and took a little while. I, I even, I, I got my graph paper, my pencil, my ruler out, and I was drawing the, uh, the dimensions and what the cross-section would look like to make these titanium tips. And thankfully, I was able to find a machine shop not too far from uh, where my other shop was that was willing to work with a person that had really no idea of how to get a thing made. And it, I, I'm very, very thankful for that company because uh, I didn't have good drawings. I mean, seriously, it was graph paper, pencil, and a ruler. And you know, I didn't have a lot of drafting skills. And I showed the guy, Here, here's what I'm looking for. Can you make that for me? And uh, by the way, I want it made out of titanium. It's like titanium. Yeah. I've got some material here if you can use it. Okay. Well, if you're going to provide the material, then, then we'll, we'll try it. And uh, he actually got it done pretty quick in about two weeks, which was nice because I wanted to get those first orders for the original Thai woodies, we call them, out so people could have them in time for Christmas. And I'm finishing all these things up kind of in the second week in December. And it's looking like I'm going to get them ready to go. And he pulled through for me, got me all my tips and put them together. And I can remember it was only about uh, 50 or 60 total, right? Getting them all finished up and packing them up and putting them in tubes and taking care of the shipping labels and writing notes, getting these things out there. And so now there's modular VAP caps out in the wild. Very cool. Very cool. That's it's just interesting how this, uh, the small improvements have come and I've, we've even seen them as, as of late, you know, just, just as this continues to evolve. So when did the, um, when did like induction heaters come into the mix? Cause that was like one of my first thoughts when I first got, um, okay. the M I was like, how do we, how do we, you know, make this? Cause again, it's not like I have like most of my friends get it. There's just like, it just seems like one out of every five friends just struggles with the, with, with heating it. They just get it a little too hot, too quick, you know? And so yep. I just always feel like the, the induction heater is the answer to people that have that problem. So when did, when did that like start becoming a thought you were tossing around? So it, it again, back to the, uh, the vaporizer form, right? Yeah. Uh, it started with a guy that goes by the name of pipes. And uh, he made his first induction heater using a, a simple induction module uh, off of Amazon and just a plug in the wall power supply and a switch. And I remember when I read about it, because I was reading on this forum pretty much every day, 
even then. Um, it's like, oh, yep, I remember thinking about that when I wrote the patent. He's doing it. Okay. So I bought one. I got on the list. I got one of the first uh, induction heaters from him. Um, I'm sure I've got the parts lying around somewhere. Uh, and I remember using it. as like, huh, it actually works. That's pretty cool. Huh, where's that going to go? And I just kind of watched it for a few months. And people really liked him. Like, All right. I even had a, I even called him up and made a, had a phone conversation with him. So, you know, I think I might want to participate in this as well, but I don't want to, uh, don't want to offend you or anything along those lines. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, I'm as busy as I want to be. Do it. It's like, all right, well, if I have something worthwhile, I'll be happy to share it with you. Um, so started looking into it and it's been a journey, you know, made a, a number of mistakes with the induction heaters and the concept is very simple, but to make a good quality induction heater that works well and lasts a long time, oh, that's a lot harder, a lot harder. But uh, I agree with you, Cole. It uh, it completely changes the experience. Yeah, it just makes it. Uh, I, here's the thing: it changes the experience. I don't want to say that it improve it improves the experience by any means. It it may for some people that aren't able to figure it out. But I actually think that the the customization, you know, kind of the way you're able to tweak the heat. That's, that's a really nice thing about it that, you know, it's kind of in your hands to improve the experience, but I'll be honest, like, uh, the reason I have it on me is because today, you know, when I, when I get out of here, it'll be easy enough to just load it up, pop it in, wait for a click. And then I'm, I'm where I need to be, uh, while I wait for my ride home. So yeah. Yeah. Super nice. Well, cool. Uh, I, I, we are, um, you know, a little bit over an hour. So I don't want to go too much longer, but I do want to just really quickly add, like get, get a few things that I've always wondered uh, about, okay. about this. When did things really start to pick up with regard to, I really do feel like you guys have a certain like fan base. I know I said it earlier and it sounded like I was like, like saying it cheesily or whatever, but you really do have like a Dynafam fan base in the sense like passionate people like myself okay. that when did that start? So the, there's two major components that I would say contributed to that. So the, the first one was in, uh, in, in say the, the, the second half of 2016, as we're kind of getting going, we're selling some glass vap caps. We've got some Thai woodies. And I think uh, it was in, in the April timeframe that we released our first Omni. Okay. And then uh, I joined up with a couple other people that, uh, brought some of their skills and some of their resources into the mix. And we put together a plan to really step up our game uh, to number one, bring manufacturing as completely in house as we possibly could. Cause at that point we we're still having all of our metal parts uh, machined by this local shop. Right. And again, nothing against the local shop. They were great to work with. It's just that for what it was costing to have each one of these little metal parts made uh, it's like, okay, if we need a thousand of those things, hmm, since we're providing the, the material as well, we could actually pay for a small CNC machine. And it seemed like based on our projections that we could sell 
or make and sell a thousand of those things in a couple months. So if you can buy a machine and pay for that machine in a couple months, just on sales and just savings, right? Not total sales, just the, the price difference for what we were paying for the parts and the price we could make them. It seemed like a good business decision, even though we didn't have anyone in our company that knew how to program and run CNC machines. So this is when uh, uh, I, I said to Jason, uh, as we're looking at these machines, I actually even flew up to California to look at uh, our a, a real high-end CNC machine uh, compared to the, the low-cost ones. And as the guys show me around uh, their shop, you know, it's like, yeah, and, you know, we're going to have a, a, a CNC programming class here on Monday. You know, so it's a four-day class you know, to teach uh, new operators how to run these machines. It's like, okay, do uh, you get any more room in that class? And the guy says to me, yeah. It's like, okay, hang on a second. I call up Jason. This was, this was Friday afternoon. I said, hey, Jason, uh, you want to fly out to California and take a, a CNC class, learn how to run them? I said, sure. Okay, you want to fly out here on Sunday and start it on Monday? And uh, he says, okay. So he flies out, learns how to program a CNC machine. We bought the, the cheap one, the, the $15,000 one, uh, a couple of weeks later. And he started learning how to run on that one. Uh, at the end of the year, we ended up buying the one that I was looking at out in California. And we got a total of three days of training on that. So a whole lot of learning curve, but a whole lot of drive and ambition. And so Jason really took it upon himself to learn how to program and make these parts. And that kind of really got things moving. But we made a lot of scrap. Okay. And this is kind of what leads up to the second thing that I think really helped to develop this community. And that is the scrap that we're making still looked okay, still functioned just fine, most of it, but it wasn't nice enough looking to sell at full price. And I didn't want to sell kind of factory seconds because how does the second person that's buying this durable device know that it was a factory second and know that it was you know, maybe this is how they just come, you know, just look kind of not quite right. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. Another year went by, another year went by. And in 2019, after we had made the M, introduced in 2017, made a few, then did it again in 2018. We had a whole bunch of M parts that just had small cosmetic issues. I was like, what am I going to do with these? And this idea came to me is like, well, we've got this new 2019 M that uh, major changes, right? Huge change from the 2018. Looks a lot better, feels a lot better, has some new tactile geometry, functions better than anything we've made in the past. What would happen if we launch a pre-order about the end of April, collect a whole bunch of pre-orders, take all of our older 2018 M factory seconds and even maybe some of the ones that were perfectly fine laser karma onto the cap and onto the stem and drop these in all of these pre-orders not tell anyone that we're going to do it and just ship them out with a little note that says uh thank you for your support uh here's another device for you to give to someone you care about nice. and we ship them out so the program ended before anyone knew it began. And we 
shipped out several thousand of these Karmavaps along with all of our 2019 M pre-orders, which then empowered all of these people out there in the Dynaverse community with a whole new device that cost them nothing that they could give to somebody. And since they already knew how to operate their first device, they could teach them how to use it because that's the biggest challenge with our device is it, it's a little bit unintuitive until you understand how to use it. And then it makes sense. So it works really, really good when you've got somebody directly in front of you showing you how to use it. The videos help, but it's not the same as your friend holding it right in front of you and heating it up for you and then handing it to you. Here you go. And then you go back and forth and you have a session together. And now this person understands how to ride the bike. Maybe the training wheels are still on, but they know how to run the pedals and how to turn the, the handlebars. And so it was the long play. Didn't expect it to happen quick. It was like, what happens if we do something that I think very few companies that have ever seen have ever really done, and that's heavily invest in the community that is comprised of our customers and empower them with the ability to share our product with people that they know. Maybe they'll help us get the word out because we couldn't really afford to advertise and you couldn't use Google AdWords and you couldn't use Facebook or Instagram because they didn't like our product. Right. So yeah. there's kind of the, the long answer to your question. And I, I think it was those things that really helped build this community. And, and we, we continue to do other things where we like to help people out. We like to contribute to various organizations uh, and find ways that we can support the people in this community because we know that we wouldn't exist without them. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've got to say that uh, I, I love everything that you guys do as a company. I want to thank you again for sending me the the nice gift box that you sent me. You sent me more Dynavaps than I know what to do with. I, I will say I'm really excited to try the Omnivap. Uh, that's the one I was so excited to get. And, and so I've got it at home and I'm really excited to try it. The induction heater works great, folks. So if you're on the fence about it, I was on the fence about it. I love it. It's amazing. It's much better than I ever thought it could be. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. See, I told you it happened once. <laughs> I told you it happened once. Um, I Yeah, thank you for sending me that gift. And thank you for sending me the extra M's because what I'm going to do, you know, to your point of sharing it, I've got, uh, I, I've already got two people in mind that I know that um, I haven't personally been able to show how to use it and stuff. And they've, they've been skeptics. So I'm going to give them one and I'm going to show them how to use it. And I'm going to, I'm, sh I'm pretty sure I'm going to convert somebody. So. Oh, it's, it's, it's super fun. It's, it's probably one of my favorite things in the world to do is it's uh, showing someone how to use the product, especially, yeah. especially if they're a smoker and mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, I can't use vapes. They just don't do anything for me. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's let me heat it up for you. And, and you know what I'm talking about, Cole. It, once you understand how to operate this product, you can use it in such a fashion that it will give even the hardest core smoker the most satisfying rip they could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, the, I don't know if you've ever heard it described this way, but this is the way I describe it. It's a really weird way to describe it, but it's like, it, if you want to, you can, you, like you say, you can choose how you, what you, how far you want to go. You can kind of take a nice turpy pole or you can heat it, uh, what at the base to go to space. Yeah, heat the base and, you, to go to space. and that's the realest thing. The way I've actually described it is it's like an edible high, but instantly. And the reason I say it that is because an edible high, at least for me, is like one of the most intense highs you can get. And it's just, it's just how, you know, edibles work in the stomach and stuff um, with processing THC through the liver, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's such a heavy high, like instantly, you know what I mean? So I've, yeah, I've put a lot of people that doubted it um, in a place where they're like, I'm sorry that I doubted that thing <laughs> in the best it's, way. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. How something this tiny, right. This tiny little device. Yeah. It's, it's not under tiny amount of bud too, a tiny amount of flower. You know, it really doesn't take much, you know? So that's a beautiful thing when you got this small device in a small amount of your favorite flower and yeah, you can experience the power. Hell yeah, folks. So um, I hope that this, uh, that, that, you know, to convince you to join the Dyna fam, if you will, um, you know, folks stay tuned. I'm going to be posting my thoughts on these new products because I've been using the same Dynavap M since like, since I bought it, I think, like I said, it was like 2019 or early 20, it, it maybe even 2018, honestly, now that okay. I'm thinking about it, it's been, it's been a quite a while. I had the original model. And so these, these new M's you sent me as well as the, the Omnivap. And then, um, what was the, the Nanavong? Um, I'm so sweet. I'm so excited to try it all. So thanks again for, for sending that all man. And, uh, folks, I guess what I was trying to say is that I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences, uh, with, with my products or with those products on our YouTube channel. Once again, if you want to check out this video, uh, this, the version, the video version of this podcast, go to chillinoy.net slash YouTube. Um, you can actually see my, the unboxing of the gift box that I got from Dynavap on that YouTube channel. That video is already up and live. Um, yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that, that you wanted to mention, um, before you, before you left? Oh, I don't know if there is, but, uh, other than then, we, uh, we love this community. We want to be supportive. And our goal is really to uh, do our part to help everybody leave smoking in the past because there are some really, really nice options out there to still get a lot of the things that you're seeking without uh, all of the things that you're not. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, folks. So it's uh, the Dynavap. It's a thermal extraction device. You just place your botanical inside, heat it up, and just above the temperature in which the desirable compounds that uh, you're looking for uh, release, but not high enough, of course, to initiate combustion. Um, I took some notes. I, I liked the way you described that one time on a video. So if you could see me looking at notes, I liked the way you had uh, described the way the Dynavap works. Oh, Siri. Well, you weren't supposed to be, you weren't supposed to be helping me. Have you ever had that happen before where Siri tries to help you? Oh it's like, yeah. It's, it's kind of annoying, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. She's very helpful, but sometimes she's listening when she shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> anyways, folks, it's dynavap.com. The website is going to be in the podcast description as well as uh, their social media handles. Be sure to uh, reach out, support them. They're easy to get a hold of and uh, they take care of you if you are a customer uh, without a doubt. And like I say, or like we discussed, there's a whole community of Dynavapers and Dynavap modders. I mean, really your options are limitless when it comes to this product. You can really, it's module, you can fit it, fit and form it to whatever you want. And uh, like I said, I mean, I've been using this for years. Uh, they didn't have to twist my arm. You didn't even have to send me those new models, man. I've, I've been sold on the Dynavap. So when you guys reached out, I was like, hell yeah, come on, let's get other people on board. Cause uh, I really think this could change the way a lot of people consume. So I really do mean that. And that's the goal. Hell yeah. Well, George, it's been a pleasure. Chillinois, uh, like I said, dynavap.com, get your model. It's the cheapest way to vape and it's, it's the best way to uh, consume your cannabis. So use less, get more out of it, all that good stuff. So I can't say enough good things about it. Well, George, it's been a pleasure. We'll see. We'll be in touch. I, I see this as the beginning of, uh, a fruitful, you know, relationship. So perfect. I look forward to it, Cole. Thanks a bunch. And uh, we'll chat sometime in the future. Absolutely.